It's Luke chapter 12. Within God's Word this morning, Luke chapter 12. We suspended preaching through the Gospel of Luke over the Easter experience. And then when the Easter season came uh, and went with all the plays, the illustrated messages, uh, the choir production, we are now picking up again with the Gospel of Luke, preaching through the Gospel uh, of Luke. And again, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for giving in the offering and being faithful. We've been saying that in all... We have, do you realize that we have... If you see some blank spots around you in the pews, do you realize we have now five services on Sunday morning? We have the children's church service... Over a hundred kids over there. We have the middle school service. They're having their second service now uh, this morning. If you notice a lot of the young people gone, sixth grade through eighth grade is now in the middle school service. It was just like three weeks ago we found like seven sixth graders wandering our hallways. They need a middle school service. And uh, guess what they had in their first middle school church service with Pastor Ben May. They had 36, 36 in our brand new edify room, Dr. Charles. Yes, in our brand new edify room, 36 uh, middle schoolers for the glory of God. They're quickly outgrowing that room. And then we have morning song service at 8.30, Solid Rock Cafe at 9 o'clock, and now our main uh, service here in our worship center, our 10 o'clock service, five services going on. Solid Rock was filled out this morning. It's the biggest Solid Rock I've been to uh, this year. It shows us that the weather is getting better. Hallelujah. By I name it and claim it. Amen. I name it and claim it. I hope you have Luke chapter 12 within uh, your Bibles. You're ready there. I hope you have a sermon study guide this morning and you're ready there. Praise God. How's the marriage going? Hallelujah, man. That one, I don't know who said fantastic there, but that husband, boy, that husband's blessed. Big time. Amen. I do a lot of premarital counseling. And, uh, you know, for years, I have been wanting to do two things in premarital counseling. We require six months of premarital counseling here at Lakeside before we will perform a wedding. We will not, we will not, we will not be a Las Vegas wedding chapel. And uh, we're not going to manufacture uh, weddings on an assembly line. And I would love to do two things in my premarital counseling I've never been able to do. I'd love all couples, before they're married, to go out canoeing together in the same boat. <laughs> Becky and I have had some of our most intense fellowship. We never fight, but every now and then we have intense fellowship. We had our, uh, some of our most intense fellowship canoeing. Uh, another thing I'd like couples to do together before they're married is even though it's no longer a, uh, you know, a, a, a favorite thing to do with decor, I believe that couples should hang wallpaper together <laughs> to test whether or not they are ready for marital bliss. Hang wallpaper together. A couple 
was having a quarrel. What do most couples quarrel about? What's the number one thing that couples quarrel about? You, oh, you're reading my notes. Money. And he finally exploded and shouted at her, If it wasn't for my money, you wouldn't have this house. She looked him in the eyes squarely and said, If it wasn't for your money, honey, I wouldn't be here. Oh, money's an exciting topic, isn't it? Let's talk about money. But let's talk about much more than money. Let's talk about prosperity this morning. Because Jesus talks about it in Luke 12. Jesus in Luke 12, verse 15, Then he said to them, Watch out, be in your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God. Look out if you read those two words in the Bible. But God. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. How many of you got my email of what I'm preaching about this morning? I'm, I'm curious. Where are the rest of you? I work so hard on those. Every week I email out what I'm going to be preaching on, the sermon title at least, and, and with a graphic. And I had fun with this graphic uh, this morning. Do we have that up there, by the way? The man with six eyes. I have never preached the sermon, the man with six eyes. And I'm preaching it this morning from Luke chapter 12. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray a blessing upon your people, upon this word, Lord. Grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Uh, thus saith the Lord this morning. Amen. Fool! It's a terrible thing to call anyone, especially in the final analysis of this rich farmer's life. Why did God call him a fool? A fool. Was it because he looked like Ronald McDonald? Because he looked like a clown? No. This man had all the trappings of success. Did God call him a fool because God's against wealth? No. The Bible never says the, that, that money's the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So why did God call him a, a, a fool? Because he exercised careful money management? Resource management? No! God's word is against wastefulness. The Bible never condemns wise management. And this farmer, when you think of it, 
This farmer could have been a great family man. He could have been a churchgoer and an upright, outstanding citizen in the community. So I ask again, why did God, in the final analysis of this man's life, as the final epitaph, why did God label him a fool? The Bible reveals, note it, four reasons why God called this man a fool. I'm going to give them to you quickly. First of all, God called this man a fool because this man forgot his soul. His soul. Read it again with me. Look on the screen. Jesus said, this, this is what this man said. The man said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I want you to notice here. What was his focus? His focus was his physical pleasures. His physical desires. His physical appetites. Instead of his spiritual. And God called him a fool for it. Listen. You're not, you're not an animal. Like the evolutionists label you. You're not an animal without a soul. You're not a demon without hope. You are a child of the Most High Creator. You are created in His divine image. You are special before the Almighty. You are not ordinary or casual. And you have been created as a spiritual being. The real you is not what I am seeing right now. The real you at your core, the essence of your being, is spirit. And until, until you fill that void called spirit, that God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill, you'll be dissatisfied. You'll keep coming up empty. You don't believe me? Don't ask me. Ask Elvis Presley. Ask Michael Jackson. Ask Amy Winehouse. Ask Justin Bieber as we're watching his life fall apart. In the eyes of the media, we're talking about people that have had it all. The prosperity, the position, the prestige, the popularity, uh, power. They've had it all. And yet they keep coming up empty. Some fall to drugs, some fall to sex, some fall to the pleasures of the here and now. And it doesn't satisfy. Why? Only Jesus satisfies. Come on, only Jesus satisfies. Stop trying to plug that hole in your heart with things. It doesn't work. If that is what your life consists of, God's final summation is this. Fool! Fool! But there's more here. God called this man a fool because he forgot. Write it down. He forgot others. Others, look at verses 17 through 19. Count how many times this rich man uses personal pronouns. Me, my, mine, I, I'll. 
Do you realize that this parable of Jesus, and Jesus shared dozens of parables, this parable uses more personal pronouns than any other parable ever related or communicated by Jesus. In fact, how many times do you see the word I? Duh. The man with six eyes. Now do you know how long us preachers work at coming up with a great sermon title? I think that's a pretty good sermon title. I think it's pretty creative. Man, we work hard at something that you'll remember for a lifetime. The man with six eyes. I will build bigger barns. I will tear down my old barns. I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, so forth and so on. I. He only had one focus. Me, myself, and, and I. Uh, in ancient times, there was mass starvation. This man could have made a difference with all of his surplus grain. But no. He feeded and feasted upon himself. God called him a fool. God called this man a fool because he saw himself as an owner. Of all he has, write it down, rather than a steward. A steward. Listen to what he says. He says, my crops, my barns, my surplus grain. And I would say to him, sir, you own nothing. Let me say it to you this morning and to myself. Let me use some poor grammar. Phil, you own nothing. Nothing. Neither do you. All that you have, all that you will ever have, it all comes from God. Pastor Hal and I are in the hospitals, the institutions all the time. People that have all of their mind, all of their mental faculties, yet their body is broken. It can happen in an instant. Or situations where people have their total physical health, they're stronger than me. Yet the brain is impaired. It can happen in a moment. Job said it correctly. Job said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is God that has given you the opportunities in life for an education. God that gave you that job. God has opened up the windows of blessing. God has given you health. God has given you mental faculties. God has given you all that you have. You don't own your next breath. It comes from God. I don't own my next heartbeat. I can't count on it. It comes from God. We own nothing. We are called to be stewards, managers of all that God gives us. One day, we'll stand before the high court of heaven at the final audit and give an account of what we did with God's blessings that he funneled through our lives. This man saw himself as owner. He would have said, my name is on that deed. My name is on that car title. It's mine. No, it's not. You own nothing. It comes from God. All that we have is His. I would have also told this man, you're a practical atheist. 
He says, I, I believe in God. I'm not an atheist. No. You're a practical atheist. Practical atheists populate our churches. They are people that give lip service to their belief in God. They are people that sing our songs. They are even people that say amen when the preacher preaches. But they live the way they live, the way they live. They don't act like there's a God. They don't trust Him. They have an ownership mentality. And because this farmer had an ownership mentality instead of a stewardship mentality, God said, you're a fool. Because Psalms chapter 14 verse 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The last reason why God called this man a fool is something else that he forgot about. He forgot about eternity. He forgot about eternity. He lived in death denial. He lived as though there was no judgment. He lived as there was no heaven or hell. He lived like there was no tomorrow. He lived for the here and now. The fact was, all of his tomorrows were used up. This man didn't have next year. He didn't have next month. He didn't even have tomorrow. God said, the fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. This night. I just heard in the news this morning a famous politician from Minnesota. They can't figure out what happened. He just died in his sleep. Age 79. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. The bottom line that the Lord is speaking to us this morning is don't, in the final summation of your life, don't play the fool. Don't play the fool. Well, pastor, what does God want for us then? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants you to get rich. I came this close, this close to titling this sermon, Get Rich. Get Rich. But I chose, because of my love for old sci-fi movies, I chose the man with six eyes. I came so close, though, to choosing those two words, Get Rich. What are you, what are you talking about? These, it's not my word. I'm just the messenger. The message from Jesus is found in verse 21. This is how Jesus said it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not, what? Rich toward who? Say it again with me. Rich towards... Now say it like a preacher. Rich towards God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm a believer now. Are you rich towards God? What does it mean to be rich towards God? Wealthy in God's estimation and sight. Mark it down. Let, let's, let's do a little education here. To be rich toward God is enjoying God's prosperity. Uh, do you enjoy God's prosperity? Are you experiencing God's prosperity? Did you know that God wants you to enjoy His prosperity? 
to be blessed, to be favored by Him? Oh, let me give you some scripture. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get what? Wealth. Psalms 1. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Whatever they do prospers. Proverbs 8.21. That I may cause those who love me. Do you love Jesus? To inherit wealth. That I may fill their treasuries. How about, will you say, Pastor, is this just Old Testament? Well, how about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or family or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in... Can you go back, please? In this present age. Homes, that's the here and now. Family, that's the here and now. Fields, that's the here and now. Along with persecutions. Along with person, uh, there's going to be some trouble in life. Come on, let's be honest. But Jesus said, Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus here is talking both about our earthly life, prosperity, and our eternal life, the life to come. And the promise is that if you'll be a Christ follower, if you will leave everything behind for Jesus, He'll give you a hundredfold blessing. How much is a hundredfold blessing? For those accountants, those mathematicians, those calculators out there, if you were to have an interest rate right now in your savings of a hundredfold blessing, of an interest rate in your savings, what kind of interest rate for you that are getting 1%, 0.5% interest. What's a hundredfold blessing from the Lord? A hundred times as much is 10,000% interest. I don't know about you. I'll receive it. How about you? Would you enjoy that? Would you like that? Lord, only bless those that are clapping right now. Oh, my, my. Oh, yeah, we got one up there that wants it. Praise God. Praise God. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The bottom line is this. Prosperity is not a bad word. God wants you to prosper. The problem comes in the church when we start to think that, that God's prosperity is always money. That's the problem. God's prosperity goes far beyond money. We're talking about joy. We're talking about peace. We're talking about a happy marriage, a happy family. We're talking about health. We're talking about the things that money cannot buy. Elvis Presley in the last year of his life said that he'd give a million dollars to anyone that could guarantee him a week of real peace. Things that money cannot buy, divine prosperity. And why does God want to prosper you? So that you can be a blessing to others. Pastors could not pastor. Missionaries could not be sent. Buildings could not be built for the glory of God if God did not prosper His children. This is why God wants to prosper you and I, that we might become holy funnels through which God pours His blessing, conduits, so that we may bless others in His name. 
investing your time, talents, tithes, and offerings in God's work makes one rich towards God. The tithe, the tithe is the first what of your income. The first tenth of your income or your increase and that first tithe, that first 10% is for who? No, it's for you. You give it to God, but God says it's for you. Matthew chapter 6, it's not my words, it's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, lay up for who? Yourselves. What? Treasures in heaven. Where neither moth, rust, destroys, where in-laws do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's amazing to me as I watch people, both in the church and out of the church, they work all their lives. They work their, their, their fingers to the bone to be happy, and all they end up with is bony fingers and giving all their money away to their spoiled, rotten kids who end up ruining their lives with mom and dad's money. Jesus said that when you give to God's work, you're storing up for yourself. It goes to God, but you're storing up for yourself treasure. And you're storing it up in a permanent place. How many of us are investing time and talent and treasure in things that are going to burn up? Well, Jesus is saying, invest in permanency instead of that which is temporary and transient. It's going to pass away. You see that? Write it down. Ministering to the poor and the hurting and the needy makes one rich towards God. I'm in a specific kind of business. Some of you are in the automotive business. How many, in one way or another, you're in the automotive business? Raise your hand. Okay. Wow, there's a lot of you. Some of you are in health. Some of you are in, uh, uh, in financial. Some of you are, are involved in, in education. Some, like Dan, who sits up front here, he's in the rocket business. You should hear where this guy works and what he does. I mean, he puts stuff up on moon and Mars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you never know who's sitting around you. We got one gal here, she's a scientist, and she's one of those that builds the robots that go to Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm, yeah, I'm in the eternity business. And I don't want you in heaven wagging a finger at me and said, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell me? I could have had more crowns. I could have had more rewards. I wouldn't be shedding tears in heaven. The Bible says there's going to be tears in heaven and God will somehow have to wipe away all tears. I'd have no regrets, Pastor. This Wednesday night, we're providing a lakeside big give for the umpteenth time. Why do we have a vision for this? Why does your pastor provide? Not only because it fulfills the commands of the Lord to bless the poor, but I'm also doing it to give you an opportunity to store up for yourself treasure in heaven. 
that you won't forget about others. You won't forget about the poor. You won't forget about the hurting. You won't forget about the needy. This Wednesday night, we're going to have a host of families that will come into this church. They are people that are graduating from homeless shelters to have their first home. And we're going to set up the gymnasium like a Costco Sam's Club. We're going to outfit their bathrooms, their kitchens, their bedrooms, their living rooms. We're going to give them the means to be able to have a fresh start in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to spend the whole first hour right in here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! What an opportunity! What an opportunity! Why do we do this? Oh, we, we could spend more time just ministering to you all. We do this because one of the big reasons, I'm in the attorney business. I want you to store up treasures in heaven. The rich farmer forgot about everybody else. He invested only in me, myself, and I. Investing. Investing. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will what? Will what? Lack nothing or be rich. But he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Then there's those pivotal opportunities to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because you have been a part of that which smacks of the future of passing onto the torch to the young, investing in God's work, pivotal opportunities for building, constructing for the glory of God, better harvesting tools. Write it down. Investing in God's harvesting tools makes one rich towards God. Now, how did they, how did they do a harvest a couple of hundred years ago? here in America and around the world, how would they harvest the grain? What tool did they use? A what? A sickle. Here you see a farmer using an old-fashioned sickle, and he'd spend all day back-breaking work and maybe uh, be able to harvest and bring in the grain from maybe about an acre. Back-breaking, hard, manly work. A sickle? Uh, it costs, what, $25? Or you can invest in a combine. Combine that anywhere from $100,000 to $150,000. This farmer with this combine in one day can harvest the grain from thousands of acres. Think of it. Facilities are nothing more than building tools, harvesting tools. They're tools for a greater harvest. Tools to see God's people grow in the Lord. Tools to reach a greater harvest of souls in our community. Let me just share briefly about the phase four vision. Many of you have been asking me questions. Pastor, uh, I had one last week say, did we already vote on it? <laughs> no. <laughs> We've been holding off 
with more information for the congregation because uh, we've been waiting for the architects to come up with the final design work. We've been waiting for the final cost estimates. We were able to share those for the first time this past week with the building committee and, and be able to share uh, all the, the, the facts and the details with them. And I'll share a little bit uh, right now, uh, but more will come uh, Wednesday night, May the 14th. Wednesday night, May the 14th. In a Wednesday night live service, we want to answer your questions about uh, Lakeside's uh, Phase 4 vision. You see, the heart of this vision is to fulfill Lakeside's main purpose. What's our main purpose? To make disciples. Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. That means to be able to make Christ followers for the glory of God. To see children, youth, and adults uh, to, uh, to be able to reach, teach, and keep them for God's great glory. Yes. We're in desperate need for better harvesting tools. We need phase four to provide more classroom space uh, for our growing Christian education ministries. Pastors and our teachers are coming to me and saying, Pastor, we need more rooms. Pastor, the rooms are not big enough. So it's either we don't have enough or they're inadequate. Uh, we need phase four to renovate our gym, to improve our kids' church. We'd like to be able to improve our gymnasium, not just for uh, facilitating a more quality kids' church experience, but uh, to also be able to facilitate McCrest, uh, Wild Game Dinner, uh, Fall Festival, new video, sound, lighting uh, in, in our gymnasium. Uh, we need Phase 4 to provide uh, a new youth center for our growing youth ministries. The young people meet now in the chapel. That was never designed to be a permanent youth center. They need their own permanent home. Uh, right now this morning, the middle school service is going on. Uh, the middle school service is going to rapidly outgrow the present facility. The youth center would be able to provide that. We need phase four to expand, uh, to provide expanded facilities for our worship and our creative arts ministries, praise team, choir, band, drama. Do you realize that there's uh, about 70 individuals on the enrollment for choir? Uh, that choir room only seats about 50. We've outgrown our choir room. We have a skinny hallway down here. We call it the hallway of intense fellowship. <laughs> and they line up in that hallway, and uh, it's a liability, I think. My, my. Uh, we, we need Phase 4 to provide facilities for youth, adult classes, and ministries to expand into. The children have run out of room. We're going to provide children's classrooms for the children in the adult wing. Well, if we do that, the adults and the youth, they have to go somewhere for classrooms. So it's, it's a ripple effect that's taking place. Praise God, it's a nice problem to have. Uh, we need phase four for improved lobby space, entrances, restrooms. At Scrooge, our last Scrooge production, they told me we had over 50 women in line to use our restroom. What's the vision? Or who would benefit? Who would benefit in the church if we did a phase four? Well, the children, first off. The children 
uh, would benefit with a newly improved kids' church. There you're seeing a floor plan of the gymnasium, and, and you'd see the one half of where the kids' church would be facilitated. We, we would also provide expanded children's classrooms, and, and all the green shows you on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night where the kids' ministries and classrooms would take place. Uh, the youth would have a new youth center. This youth center would be attached on the back, the west side of our gymnasium. It would seat 150 for our youth. They would have their own permanent home. Can I hear an amen from the youth section and from the youth here this morning? They need their own permanent place to have worship services, hangout place, a cafe. We have our, our young adults, our singles ministries, and our young married ministries would benefit. Once the youth would leave the chapel, any of these ministries that outgrow classrooms would be able to go into the chapel. Amen. By the way, I'm not done with the message here this morning. Hold tight. I'll be off of this phase four in just a moment. Adult classes and ministries would also benefit. We'd be providing brand new classrooms for the glory of God. All the blue spaces, as I said, show adult areas for ministries. Lakeside's choir members, praise team members, band members, drama members would, would be able to benefit. Here you're seeing the front part of the church where there would be an expansion of drama, choir uh, rooms, drama rooms, a rehearsal room for every ministry in the worship and the creative arts ministries. Can I hear an amen from those that are in the worship and the creative arts ministries? Solid Rock Cafe attenders would have a new chapel entry with a car canopy. Uh, a new east entry over here with new restrooms and, 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 and a new lobby. Everyone would be blessed with a new lakeside main entrance over here to the south where I usually greet people. It would be four times larger than our present one over here. Here you're seeing elevations of it with a, the largest car canopy of all around the campus to facilitate you. There would be a new lakeside cafe and a new lakeside assembly of God uh, front to the building uh, because of the worship, creative arts, the classrooms, the prayer room that would be on the front part of the building. This is the lakeside phase four vision. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, so that you can become what? So that you can become rich, Jesus said. That's not my word. That's the word of Jesus. So that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. You see, fill in the blank, some go to church and they are poor and don't even know it. 
On the outward, they could have the trappings of success. They can pull in with a brand new Cadillac or Lincoln. They can sit in the pew with the nicest designer suit on. But from God's perspective, they're poor and don't even know it. Why? Jesus hit it on the head. Jesus is speaking to people who see themselves as prosperous, but Jesus saw them poor, blind, and naked because they say, we have need of nothing. We don't need a thing, God. We're self-sufficient. We don't need to depend upon you. If you have that kind of attitude, Jesus says that you have a poverty mentality, a poverty lifestyle. You're poor, wretched, blind, and naked. Notice how the Lord answers our desperate need. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich. Jesus wants to bless you. Jesus wants to favor you. Jesus wants to pour out His prosperity on your life. I hope you understand. I am not, I am not, I am not talking about the world's idea of prosperity. I'm talking about blessings from God in the here and now and blessings in the hereafter. Now, if you want to operate by a spiritual poverty mentality, that's your right. Jesus wants us to be blessed. Blessed. My favorite commercial. Do you have a favorite TV commercial? One of my favorite, favorite, favorite TV commercials. It's a credit card commercial. Can you believe it? It's a MasterCard commercial. And there's one word. One word. It's an advertising bonanza. This one word. Can you tell me this one word from this MasterCard commercial? Priceless. Priceless. When we talk about being rich in Jesus, do you recognize that you're priceless in Him? How many, how many, without a show of hands, you don't have to raise your hand, how many are, this morning, you're born again, and you're, you're, how many this morning, you're on your way to heaven, you're a Christ follower, how many, how many here this morning, Pastor, I'm walking with Jesus. You're priceless. You're priceless. That's being priceless. You know, you have been bought at a price, not with silver and gold. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Paul said, you are not your own. You've been bought at a price. That's being priceless. Ever meet somebody that brags about their ancestry tree? I went on Ancestry.com. I'm related to kings and monarchs and queens. My ancestors came over on the Mayflower. I am related to some of the founding presidents of the United States. I'm related to Jesus. I'm a born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross. That's priceless! Some, I counsel them and they fret and they worry about having enough money for retirement. Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to be retiring in a cottage or a condo. I look them in the eye and I say, Honey, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. 
You trust in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go there to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. I will come again. Mansion just over the hilltop. That's priceless. Well, Pastor, what about, what about should I buy term life? Should, it, should I buy a whole life? Should I buy universal life? I say, honey, buy eternal life. Eternal life is priceless. 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 Howard Hughes was one of the first, if the young people, young adults don't know who Howard Hughes was, he was one of the first billionaires in the world. And Howard Hughes, after he died, a news reporter approached his business secretary, and the news reporter asked the business secretary, so, so tell me, how much, how much, how much did Howard Hughes leave behind? The business secretary looked the reporter in the eye and said, he left it all. He left it all. He went into eternity completely, utterly impoverished. How about you? The Lord's will is for you to go to heaven and meet your treasures in heaven. The story of Jim Elliot was completely opposite from Howard Hughes. Jim Elliot young man from Bible college I, I can't believe it 40 years ago I went to Bible college this year and I know what it was like we heard the call from the pulpit in college chapel preach the gospel to the whole world a lot of my friends are pastors and missionaries around the world Jim Elliott heard that same commissioning that same call Jim Elliott, along with four other young men from Bible College, said, We feel called by God to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people group that has never, ever heard about Jesus before. They ended up going to Ecuador, the Aka Indians. Not long after beginning their ministry, the Indians came in the middle of the night with spears and impaled them, killed all of them. These young men, these young missionaries, husbands, fathers. God knows what He's doing, though we might not know at the moment. Do you know that when that story was told, when the, new, the shocking news went around the world, there became a move among young people and young adults to go into missions as never before. The colleges were filled with young men and women that are saying, we will take up the mantle and do what Jim Elliott could not do. It was one of the greatest blessings, believe it or not, to foreign missions. Even Jim Elliott's own wife and children went to the Aka Indians later on to proclaim the gospel. And then they opened up Jim Elliott's diary. You remember, you remember what God called the rich farmer. And the final analysis of the rich farmer's life, what was he called? 
They opened up Jim Elliott's diary and he had written, he, no man is a fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I pray that in the final summation of your life, you won't hear a word from heaven, fool, but you will hear this word, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome! Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. We ask and pray even now, Lord, even now, Lord, even now, Lord, that you would knock upon hearts' doors. Even now, Lord, call your people, Lord, to decision. Decision about their life. Call them to open up their heart to you, Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. And I speak upon the authority of God the Holy Spirit. I speak into your spirit right now. You believe in God. But you've been living as there is no God. You believe in God. But when we add up the actions of your life, you're a practical atheist. It's as though God doesn't exist. And today, today, right now, you want to stop that. The last service, four people accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How about, how about it? How about it? Isn't this your time? Isn't it time to sell out to Jesus as never before? Isn't it time to be rich toward God? You might be paying all the bills. You might be enjoying new things in your life. But from God's perspective, you're poor. You're wretched. You're naked. You're blind. And Jesus is saying to you, Come to me. Buy from me. I will make you rich for all eternity. This morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. A prayer that'll make you right with God. A prayer that'll give you a home in heaven. If you want to be included in this prayer. If you want to be rich towards God. Act upon your faith right now. Lift up your hand. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. If you want to be included in this prayer that will change your eternal destiny. Lift it up so that I can see it. God bless you. I see that hand. How many more this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, sir. God bless you. I see that hand. Up on the balcony. How many? How many? Lift it up high so that I can see it. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. How many more? How many more? I don't want to leave anyone out this morning. Precious Jesus. Yes, I see that hand up in the balcony, way in the back. God bless you. Pray with me right now. Pray with me right now. Make this prayer your prayer. Everyone, pray this prayer out loud, but especially you that have lifted up your hands. Own this. Put your heart into this. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. Just as I am, I confess 
I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Lord, I want to be rich towards God. I don't want to be called a fool. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for saving me, for making me priceless. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.